in this texting world that we live in with acronyms and emojis, I often find myself using PTL, which is praise the Lord, uh, as people will send me uh, text of praise and such. Um, but often I feel that it might be, I might just be using it as a slogan. Uh, maybe there's times when I use PTL or even take time to type out praise the Lord that I'm not really praising the Lord. I'm just following through with Christianese, talking like a Christian instead of really giving God praise. But we know that praise is a command that the Lord has given it, given to us to do, but we often neglect it. The psalmist writes in one occasion, O Lord, I, I will sing, I will sing praises even with my soul. And uh, it's interesting to me that he puts this part even with my soul. The idea is that we can go through the motions and really it not being an act of worship. So we see that we need to really give time to think about giving thanks because our lives should be overflowing with praise and thanksgiving to God with all that is within us that we should bless his holy name. Amen. So on this Thanksgiving Sunday, I want to revisit a familiar episode in the life of Christ found in Luke's Gospel, chapter 17, verses 11 through 19. Hear now the word of God. While he was on his way to Jerusalem, he was passing between Samaria and Galilee. As he entered a village, ten leprous men who stood at a distance met him. And they raised their voices, saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. When he saw them, he said to them, Go, show yourself to the priest. And as they were going, they were cleansed. Now one of them, when he saw that he had been healed, turned back, glorifying God with a loud voice, and he fell at, the feet, uh, at his feet, giving thanks to him. He was a Samaritan. Then Jesus answered and said, Were there not ten cleansed, but, not, but the nine, where are they? Was no one found who would return to give glory to God except this foreigner? I say, he said to him, Stand up and go. Your faith has made you well. That finishes the reading of God's holy and inspired word. Now, in many ways, this passage of Scripture, this episode in Scripture, it kind of reads like a parable. What I mean by that is that you could, Jesus could have actually told a parable about ten leprous men being healed, being sent to the priest, and uh, after it being, and being cleansed, one comes back to give thanks. Jesus could have told it as a story, and we would have gotten the same point out of it. But this was an actual episode. It actually happened. So <clears throat> we have to see that we, God really wants, has kind of set up this episode to really make us think about our own lives. Think about how much we give thanks. So the idea is maybe the point is that nine out of ten times we don't stop to give praise to God or thanksgiving for the miracles that he's performed 
in our lives. Maybe the point is that nine out of ten times we do not fully comprehend or give God the praise for the cleansing power of Christ in our lives. Maybe we're just content to receive external blessings from God and we really don't give him the thanks that he deserves for the internal blessings of forgiveness, salvation, and restored fellowship with God and men. Now, this episode actually happened in what is known as the traveling narratives in Jesus' life. Jesus is near the end of his life. Just a few more months he will live. And he is taking the long road to Jerusalem, for which, of course, he will be betrayed, arrested, and crucified. So verse 11 tells us that while he was on his way, these traveling narratives to Jerusalem, he was passing between Samaria and Galilee. Now, during his travels, Jesus had been speaking to large crowds that were composed of Pharisees. During these traveling narratives, he was speaking to large crowds where there would be tax collectors. And of course, Jesus always had his faithful followers that followed him everywhere he went. But on this day, verse 12 tells us, as he entered a village, ten leprous men who stood at a distance met him, and they raised their voices saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. So you can Google it later, it's maybe after breakfast sort of thing to be able to look at leprosy. But leprosy is is an incurable disease. It starts with a white, uh, shiny spot on your skin that slowly progresses into a large infection which would literally eat your flesh and then your bone. It would basically be eating your physical body away. Now, it's hard to conceive of any condition more miserable than leprosy because it was a slow deterioration. And because leprosy was highly contagious, the Mosaic law contained in the Old Testament commanded people who were infected with leprosy to live together in colonies outside of the city limits. So we see that lepers were outcast and isolated from society. They were cut off from their friends and family, anything to do in communion with people. Now, anyone who would come close to the leper colony would uh, hear the lepers crying out, unclean, unclean, unclean. But on this morning, instead of these ten leprous men shouting out, unclean, they cried out, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. Now, I believe their cry for mercy is very instructive. By by calling Jesus Master, we understand that they believed 
that Jesus had the power and authority to heal this terrible disease that they had contracted. Maybe they had heard about Jesus' healing throughout his ministry. Again, remember, this is near the end of Jesus' ministry. So there's been three years of miracles that had taken place uh, throughout this time. And possibly they heard through the grapevine, if you would, about the healings that Jesus had done. But it's clear, by calling Jesus Master, they believed that Jesus was over all things. That there was nothing outside of his control. They believed Jesus was God. And they definitely needed God to be merciful to them. Because they were absolutely powerless, weak, and helpless. There's nothing they could do. Now it seems to me that these ten men understood two aspects of passionate prayer. Passionate prayer consists of believing that God is all-powerful and that I am helpless. Those two aspects make up passionate prayer. If you don't believe that God's all-powerful, well, you're not going to be very passionate in your prayer. (laughs) If you believe that you can do something about it, then you're not going to be very passionate in your prayer. You're just going to be going through the routine. You're just basically going to go be speaking Christianese. But if you believe, truly believe that God is all-powerful and that you are totally helpless, then is when you will be passionate in your prayers. It seems to me that these men knew that they were wretched, miserable, and poor. These men knew that nothing was going to change their condition except the all-powerful God having mercy on them. So they cried out, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. Oh, that we, as the people of God today, would embrace passionate prayer by Understanding our true condition and our total dependence upon the almighty and merciful God. Amen. Jesus said, saw them and said to them, go and show yourself to the priest. Now, the Old Testament law, as I mentioned earlier, uh, was very specific about not only lepers, uh, those with leprosy being contained in these leper colonies and such, and the lack of conduct, uh, contact with them. But the Old Testament law was very specific in the situation where a, a, a person infected with leprosy who believed that they had been cleansed from leprosy was to present themselves to a priest uh, in order for the priest to give a thorough examination to determine if a cleansing had actually occurred. Now, this examination was one priest with one patient. 
it, it, these, these, these guys running towards the priest after Jesus gave the command, they wouldn't all have rushed into his office, so to speak, and he would have just took, taken a look. He would have taken them one by one, or there would be another priest as well, but they would do it one by one, one priest, one person. Now, if the person, uh, if the priest determined that the person had been healed and cleansed from leprosy, then the, the priest would declare that the leprous man had been saved from death by the intervention of divine mercy. <laughs> and that that person was to be restored with full rights and privileges to fellowship with God's people. So the second part of verse 14 tells us that as they were going, they were cleansed. I, I just can't even imagine what that might have been like. But, but what is really interesting is that the Bible calls the other cures or miracles that Jesus performed as healings. But in this case, the scriptures refer to it as a cleansing. As they went their way, they were cleansed. So one of them, verse 15, saw that he had been healed. He turned back, glorifying God with a loud voice, and he fell on his face at his feet, giving thanks to him, and he was a Samaritan. Now the story even gets more interesting, if it wasn't already interesting enough in itself. A Samaritan was considered by the Jews as a half-breed pagan because they intermarried, these were Jews who intermarried with Gentiles, and Samaritans adopted many of the um, Gentile customs and did not keep the law as the Jewish people did. So they, in some ways, Samaritans were even worse than a pagan. I mean, a pagan, you can understand a pagan. I mean, they don't know any better because, you know, you know, the, you know their family. But a Samaritan, now, they should know better. So this Samaritan, this one out of ten guy, comes back. To give thanks, glorifying God. You see, our God is no respecter of persons. Amen? It doesn't matter what your breed or your heritage or your background is. The Lord brings cleansing to people. Amen? He will have mercy on whom he will have mercy, the Bible tells us. And the Lord will have compassion on whom he will have compassion. And it's obvious that the Lord had compassion specifically on this one Samaritan man. I believe that this man recognized that Jesus was the one who brought his cleansing. And so he returned. And he returned to, to give homage and thanks to God at the feet of Jesus. He believed Jesus was the one who did this. And he comes back 
And at the top of his lungs, he's glorifying God. In, in Luke's gospel, Luke loves to emphasize when loud praise is given forth. You can do the whole study yourself. But the, the, the words that he uses in this particular case, it, 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 it would just be like off the charts when it comes to the praise that this, this, this Samaritan was singing forth and glorifying God with. See, he, he knew that he had received the cleansing power in his life. He knew that Jesus had healed him. He knew that, he, that Jesus was more than just a mere man. So he runs back to him and he falls at Jesus' feet in an act of worship, thanking God for what he had received. We see that this guy is worshiping Jesus as the Son of God, and he's giving thanks for the wonderful gift that Jesus had just given to him. And he could not restrain his praise. He could not restrain his worship. He could not restrain giving thanks. And I think that is part of the story. Because many times in our lives, I think we do personally restrain ourselves. We restrain ourselves from giving praise to God. In our conversations with people, you know, we will just be hesitant to mention that we believe that what happened to us is because of God and giving Him praise for it. But these other nine, these other nines, these other nine, it seems that they're not interested in, with Jesus anymore. Just remember, just, just, just moments before, they were crying out, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. And they were totally dependent upon Jesus causing this, this healing, this, this cleansing. But now, as they're going away and they're cleansed, now they don't have anything to do with Jesus anymore. They, they got what they wanted. You know, I'm probably like this even now, but I can tell you for sure before I became a Christian, oh, Lord, if you'll just get me out of this one, man. Oh, please, Lord. Yeah, I promise you I'll follow you. I promise you I'll live for you. Just get me out of this one. And then the Lord gets us out of it, and what do we do? We go our merry way. Oswald Chambers, who wrote his timeless devotional book, My Utmost for His Highest, he, he, he writes this. It's uh, January 22nd when you read through Oswald. Um, quote, Troubles nearly always make us look at God. His blessings are apt to make us look elsewhere. And this is a lot of what, what Debbie was talking about this morning. Instead, of course, you, you, you have trouble, and of course you're going to pray to God. Maybe that's not necessarily all that abnormal. Maybe a lot of people do that. It, it's, it, what about after you receive the blessings? What do you do then? And then the great British pastor and preacher, Charles Spurgeon, he pointed out, quote, that while ten men prayed, only one praised. 
and then Spurgeon continues, we are far more prone to pray in time of need than to praise God when he meets that need. It's true. Brothers and sisters, prayer will only last in this life only. But praise is eternal. We'll be praising God throughout all eternity. So why don't we get really good at it right here? I'm telling you, when you're in heaven after it's all over, said and done, there's not going to be any need for prayers anymore. It's just praise, 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 praise. So why don't we try to cultivate that type of attitude, cultivate that type of life even now? I'm not saying to neglect prayer. You'd run me out of here for saying that. I'm just saying maybe we should get really better at giving praise. Now, everyone who's ever experienced the cleansing power of Jesus Christ should join this Samaritan in a glorious concert of praise to the merciful God. Amen? But in the midst of this concert of praise, so just get it, this guy comes back, everybody around Jesus who is following Jesus all around saw everything happen. They see this guy come back. He's, he's crying out with this unbelievably loud voice, giving praise to God, kneeling at Jesus' feet, recognizing Jesus as the Son of God. And then Jesus asks three questions. First question, were there not ten cleansed? Question two, and the nine, where are they? The third, was no one found to return to give glory to God except this foreigner? And then he says to him, stand up, go, your faith has made you well. Now, I actually enjoy passages like this. It's what I call these passages are Jesus's, Jesus is being divinely sarcastic. All right? Another episode that I like when Jesus is being divinely sarcastic is when this, 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 this poor girl who needs healing you know, comes and when Jesus is eating and, and she says, can you basically give me, you know, can you meet my needs? Can you give me something to eat? And, and Jesus says, no, get out of here, woman. And uh, she said, he, said, he basically calls her a dog or whatever. And then she turns around and she says, well, even the dogs get to eat the crumbs from the master's table. Uh, you know, so you know, can you only imagine Jesus saying something like so divinely sarcastic as that? And then this woman turns around and says, but master, only, even the dogs eat the crumbs from the master's table. And then Jesus turns around and says, You're, by your faith you've been healed. <laughs> He's using the episode to make us think things through here. And that's exactly what's happening here. Just again, imagine the scene, all this drama going on. And you just think that Jesus is going to be praising God and, yes, he thank, you know, giving glory to God. But he asks these three questions. Number one, were there not ten cleansed? Of course Jesus knows that ten were cleansed. And then the second question, but the nine, where are they? Of course Jesus knows where they are. He's the one that told them to go present themselves to the priest. 
So Jesus here is setting the stage, but he's not quite ready yet. So he asked this third question. Was no one found to return to give glory to God except this foreigner, this half-breed Jew? I mean, how insulting, how rude. You would never expect these words to come out of our Lord's mouth. What's going on here? And that's the point. Jesus wants you to see what's going on here. He wants you to break out of your Christianese and he wants you to see what's going on here. Jesus is making the point that the one who is the least expected to return and give glory to God, this Samaritan, he is the one who returned. Why? Because Jesus wants to establish a clear distinction between the one and the nine. Something happened to this one Samaritan that didn't happen to the nine. Jesus is, is, declares the distinction by then giving the punchline, saying to him, stand up and go, your faith has made you well. Wait a minute. Did all ten cry out for mercy? Did all ten, when they were all in that leper colony, they all say, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us? Did all ten do that? Yeah. Uh, now, just wait a second. Were not all ten cleansed? Huh? Yeah. Right? All ten were made well. So, when Jesus makes this statement, your faith has made you well, he is not talking about the external cleansing of leprosy. He's talking about something deeper than that. He's referring to the internal cleansing of the terrible disease of original sin. And that's the distinction between this one and the other nine. And it is that God had worked faith in his heart. And as a result of working faith in his heart, he had been cleansed from the greatest disease known to man, sin. And this man had experienced a double cleansing, a cleansing from leprosy and a cleansing of original sin. Jesus was saying that only this one Samaritan fully comprehends that only Jesus, the Son of God, could pronounce a cleansing upon his life. Not an external cleansing from leprosy, but an, the internal cleansing from sin, praise be to God. Jesus is declaring that only this one Samaritan fully comprehended that only Jesus as the Son of God deserved praise and thanksgiving for the mercy of God extended upon his life. 
And what Jesus is saying here is only this one Samaritan fully comprehended that only Jesus is the great high priest. And only Jesus as the great high priest could declare him cleansed, not from leprosy, but cleansed from sin, thanks be to God. And only Jesus as the son of God, our great high priest, is the only one that could restore him back to full fellowship with God and full fellowship with men. Praise be to the Lord. That's the point. But so many times in our lives, we're only thanking God for the external blessings and not in deep homage thanking God for what he's done for our souls. In my introduction this morning, I mentioned that in many ways, this episode is like a parable playing out in real time. I believe that Jesus squeezed every drop of redemptive analogy out of this real life experience so that we today would give thanks to God, not only for the external blessings that he's given to us, but that we would go deeper and give praise to God for the internal blessings that he has given to us through Christ. Let me just explain to you this redemptive analogy now that you have been reminded of the episode. Each of us were cut off from God and cut off from others because we had an incurable disease called sin that had infected our lives. There was nothing we could do about it. We needed the mercy of God. We needed to be cleansed from the ravaging effects of sin in our lives. And God, by his grace, sent Jesus by one day. To you. And he worked faith in our hearts because we at the first time realized that only Jesus could cleanse us deep within. We finally realized that Jesus was the great high priest and only he could declare that we are spiritually cleansed. And only he could restore us back into full communion with God and man. And so we ran back to Jesus. He's the author and perfecter of faith. And we bowed down before him at his feet and we glorified God. We gave thanks to him for the cleansing power that he had worked in our hearts. And I think that Jesus allowed this whole episode to happen so that we would be that type of people over and over and over again. That we would continually run back to Jesus, run back to Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. We would continually bow down before him, glorifying him, giving thanks for the cleansing work that he's done in our lives. Realizing that every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Amen. But Jesus doesn't stop there. 
Jesus, by his grace, tells us to stand up and to go and to tell others about the mercy of God through Jesus Christ. And that's what you and I are called to do. If we truly have received the cleansing work of Christ in our lives, truly giving him the glory and praise that he deserves, Jesus wants us to rise up. And he wants us to go out and tell others about the mercy of God through his son, our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. As I conclude this morning, just let me read a couple of Psalms. Oh, magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord, and he answered me, and he delivered me out of all my fears. And then as we started the worship service with our call to worship from Psalms 30, I will exalt you, O Lord, for you have lifted me up and have not let my enemies rejoice over me. O Lord my God, I cried to you for help and you healed me. O Lord, you have brought me my soul up from Sheol. You have kept me alive that I would not go down to the pit. Sing praises to the Lord, you godly ones. Give thanks to his holy name for his anger is but for a moment, but his favor is for a lifetime. Weeping may last for a night, but the shouts of joy come in the morning. Amen? Let's pray. Lord God, we come to you today thanking you for this narrative of Scripture, Lord, that plays out to us like a parable, that we spiritually see ourselves as this one man that returned. And Lord, we thank you that you have worked faith in our hearts so that we might truly, truly cry out to you, thanking you for the mercy and grace that you've given to us through the work of your Son, our Lord Jesus. Lord Jesus, work in our hearts so that we would sing praises to you, give thanks to your holy name. Lord, work in our hearts so that we would be a people of praise and thanksgiving, not only in this season, but in our lives. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen.